0: Well, we're turning in our Bibles this morning to the book of Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah and chapter one. We're going to take time to read the full chapter. And just while you're looking that up, um, let me pass on a word of encouragement to you. Um, you'll know that Wesley, uh, Wesley Brewer, he was here with us last week. And Wesley, this weekend, along with a team from Faith Mission, have been running a gospel mission um, on the Isle of Skye. Uh, and last night, Um, after the mission three people um, came and gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ Um, so we praise his name for that and we're so encouraged for that from that news um, that has been passed down um, from Skye he sent me a message last night I didn't receive it till this morning and it was the best news I've received in a long long time Um, praise the Lord for that the Lord is still at work and the Lord is still moving in this country and across our islands. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll take time to read the full chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He he went down to Joppa, And found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish and from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, that the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and they said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Amen. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Well, if you do have your Bible on you, please do keep uh, the book of Jonah open in front of you. And I trust that the Lord will bless his word to us this morning. Let's just come to him now, um, before we say a word, before we utter a word, and let's ask for his help. I want you to pray for yourself. And maybe you've rushed in here this morning, and maybe you're just not quite in the right place quite yet. I want you to pray just now as we quieten our hearts that the Lord will speak to you. As we pray, I need the Lord's help. Because if any, I say anything this morning, it's going to be of no use to you. So we need to hear the Lord's voice. So let's ask him to come. And let's him to ask him to speak through his word. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, that we've been singing of it already this morning in Christ alone my hope is found father we thank you for your word we thank you that it is accurate that it is true we thank you father that it speaks to each of us and father we pray as we open your word this morning and as we seek to glean from it that the spirit of God the author of these pages before us will apply this word to each of our hearts and father we pray that we would heed the warning that james gives us that we would not just be hearers of the word but that father we will be doers also father help us this morning we need to hear from you so father we pray that your presence will be so real in our midst that we would be able to say it was good for us to be here for it was here that we met with the lord and we pray this for your glory alone And in the precious name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Well, it may or may not come as a surprise to you that bizarre things happen in our world all the time. A man in Mexico City snatched a woman's purse and dashed into a doorway to hide, and it turned out that that door was the local was the door of the local police station where he was later questioned and identify, identified by his victim. While shoplifting in a department store in New York, a man stole an alarm clock and he headed for the exit, but little did he know that that alarm had just been set to ring just as he was leaving that shop, and it sent the security guards running, and he was later arrested. A Glasgow pickpocket closer to home. A Glasgow pickpocket got two, a two month prison sentence after plying his trade on an excursion ship that was carrying 20 police officers and their wives. Strange things happen all the time. Strange things. You know, each of these incidents remind me and should remind you of a very solemn principle that is taught in God's Word. And it's found in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. And I'm sure it's a verse that maybe you'll know well. And if I were to take this verse, I feel that I could staple it to the book of Jonah. This is what it says. It says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Our first parents... Adam and Eve found this to be true. After Adam and Eve had disobeyed the Lord, they attempted to conceal themselves in the garden and and their weak efforts to hide their identity as sinners who had disobeyed direct instructions from the Lord fell lame. And in shame, they had to learn the lesson. Be sure your sin will find you out. Achan, one of Joshua's soldiers must have thought that he had done a great job in hiding the garment and the gold and the several shekels of silver from the spoil at Jericho when the walls had fallen down, even though the Lord had commanded that nothing, absolutely nothing, should be taken of the spoil of that city. And I'm sure Achan thought he had got away with it when he had hidden all of that in his tent. But you know, he was found out And as a result, he with his wife and his children were stoned to death and their bodies were taken outside the camp. Be sure your sin will find you. One more example, King David committed adultery after a lustful gaze at a naked woman and he tried to cover up his tracks, he tried to hide his identity and he murdered this woman's husband. He tried to cover up in every way he could, but the faithful prophet Nathan came along and he said, you are the man. And in shame, David had to confess that his sins had found him out. The old war dog, Churchill, once said, one lesson that we learn from history is that we never learn from history. It certainly seemed this way for Jonah. Despite the misdemeanors of those who had come before him, the prophet seemed to snub the lessons of the past, and he ran from God. And as we arrive in Jonah chapter 1 this morning, and as we specifically focus in from verse 6, and the few verses that follow that, we find Jonah and he's asleep. In verse 2, he's heard God's voice. God has came and he has directly spoken to him. He's given him direct instructions. Jonah, you have to go to Nineveh. And you have to preach to Nineveh. You are God's prophet. What a privilege. You are God's messenger. What a privilege. And God, he comes and he says to Jonah, you have to go to Nineveh. And you have to cry out against their wickedness. And what does Jonah do? He runs in the complete opposite direction. He runs in the wrong direction in verse 3. Now, I have to use a Northern Irishman this morning. The Reverend Ian Paisley was preaching on this passage, and he said this. He said, it is a very serious sin to clearly hear God's voice and not obey. Did you get that? It's a very serious sin to hear God's voice and not obey. I wonder this morning, at the outset, as we look at God's word this morning, I wonder, has God been speaking to you about something? I wonder, has God been challenging you in something in your life to maybe go do something more for God? Or maybe he's been asking you to take a step that you think is too hard for you to take. I don't know. But I wonder this morning, has God's voice been speaking to you? And I wonder, are you running in the wrong direction? Oh, this has challenged me as I've looked at this passage. Don't think I've got it all together up here. But I wonder this morning, are you following after God with your whole heart and doing what He asks you to do? You know, Jonah had made his move, he ran away from God, and so God made his move, and God sends this storm, and the sailors are terrified, and and then we find Jonah, the prophet, asleep in the ship. Why isn't Jonah praying? He knows this is from God. Why isn't Jonah praying? Well, it's funny, and we read in the Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If we're living in sin, this is to the Christian. Not just the person who's not saved, this is to the Christian if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Disobedience cuts the nerve of prayer. You may pound the gates of heaven, but the Lord will not hear while you, you and I intentionally continue to sin. Is there a sin you need to deal with this morning at the outset? But that's not what I'm wanting to focus on this morning. And if I were to put a title on our message this morning, it would simply be sacred identity. Because what we're going to find in these verses is this. We're going to find that Jonah had completely lost his identity in Christ. He had completely lost his identity in the Lord. The sailors seem to conclude and rightly conclude that this storm is a punishment for sin. They cast lots, the lot falls in Jonah, and all of a sudden they're peppering him with questions. They're essentially asking him three things. They're asking him, number one, what is your purpose? What kind of work do you do? Secondly, they're asking him, what is your place? Where do you come from? And thirdly, they're asking him about his race. Who are your people? Essentially, they're asking him, who are you? Who do you belong to? They don't even know that a prophet of God is standing on their ship or sleeping on their ship. So the first lesson I want us to learn and the first thing I want us to notice this morning in this passage is that Jonah conceals his identity. Jonah conceals his identity. Throughout the whole voyage, Jonah's identity, it's been concealed. He's been trying to hide from God. He's been trying to run from God. He's hiding his identity, not only from the Lord is he hiding, but all of a sudden he's hiding his identity from the sailors that are around him. Right up to this point, We find no time where he openly declares whose he was and who he served. He hasn't taken a stand for the Lord. And that's why these sailors barrage him with all these questions. And Jonah, he's concealing his identity. Surely, as a prophet of the Lord, we should hear something more like what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 15. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it's the power of God unto salvation. Yet we find here, Jonah, and he's just lost his way. How interesting it is to note in verse 1 we're told Jonah's father's name Amittai that means my truth that's what the Hebrew means my truth and Jonah certainly wasn't living true to his God or walking in his father's footsteps or at least to the meaning of his father's name's footsteps he wasn't being true to God as a messenger of the city of Nineveh and my how we see as god my as we see it how we need to be true to the message how we need to be true to the gospel message not only in proclaiming it but in living it i wonder when we go to work when we go to school or wherever it may be i wonder to the people around us are we people who conceal our identity do you talk of your lord Are you like Paul? He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. You know, a few years ago, back in 2013, I had the opportunity to go um, with an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship um, to Uganda. And when I was in Uganda, I met some children and I'll tell you they would challenge each of our hearts because they were standing there in clothes with holes through them very able to get their next meal. And do you know what they were singing? These were little Christians to children. They were singing, My cup's full and running over. That's what they were singing. And yet at times we're slow to sing that, aren't we? They couldn't help speak of their Savior. You could see a love for the Lord Jesus in those little children. Yet at times we go out into our daily business and we barely utter a word of our Savior. Surely if Christ is in us, surely if his joy is in us, we'll, we'll not be able to help ourselves. Surely if Christ is in us, we'll, we'll want to declare it from the rooftops. You know, when we talk about the gospel in Scripture, when we talk about proclaiming the gospel, there's two ways of the Bible talks about proclaiming it. First of all, preaching the gospel, but there's another meaning, which kind of means gossiping the gospel. And how in our daily business, we ought to be gossiping the gospel to those around us. Speaking of our Savior, speaking of what he's done for us, because the reality is there's people around us, and they're on their way to a lost eternity, and do we care? Yes, yes, it is the Lord that saves. Yes, in Jonah chapter two, Jonah says salvation belongs to our God, but are we willing to be the channel in which the Lord uses? Channels only, blessed master. Yet with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. I wonder, are we a channel that can be used by the Lord or are we concealing our identity in Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in verse seven that the sailors, they cast lots and they find out who's responsible for the storm. And you see the reason why they wanted to find out who was responsible was because when they discovered who was responsible, all these questions about race, all these questions about place, so that, that they were trying to ask Jonah your place That you lived in those days would have had gods attached to it. So once they discovered who Jonah was, they would be able to discover whose God that had brought this storm. And you see, in those days there would have been gods like the god of Mercury, the the god of commerce, and and Venus, the god of beauty. And and today you might be tempted to say to me, Well, what, what are you telling us this for, Peter? What's the point in it? These gods aren't about anymore. We know that they're myth. We know that they're not true. And you're absolutely right. There may no longer be those Roman gods, like Mercury and Venus. But but maybe a bit like Mercury, the god of commerce, we place our everything on financial success, on job success. Maybe your job is your god. And maybe you look. Maybe you look maybe to yourself. Beauty, Venus, the God of beauty. Maybe you look to yourself and it's all about your appearance. And and maybe today it's, it's beauty. You know what you put in front of the Lord. But listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. This is what he said. He says, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? Gain absolutely everything of what you want, what you desire most in this world. What will profit will it be, says Jesus, if you gain all of that, but then at the end, you lose your own soul. Your soul is the most precious thing. And the Lord Jesus gave his life for it. And he can bring you joy and fulfillment in this life. If you're here this morning and you have never identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe it's not even a case of that you're concealing your identity. Maybe you just have never identified with him. Oh, this morning, come to him and give your life to him. But what about the Christian? What about us? Well, I trust we'll be like Paul. I trust we'll be like Paul and we'll say, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, there's an illustration of a man called Phineas Breezy. And he was a man who founded the church of the Nazarene at the beginning of the 20th century. And he was known for his powerful preaching and it was attributed to an anointing from the Spirit of God. And he would have came to the pulpit and and he would have lit a fire in the pulpit. That's how people described it. And people would have come to see it burn. They knew that this was a man anointed of God. And as they came to hear it burn, whatever, wherever he seemed to be preaching, it seemed that unconverted people would flock in to hear him speak and quite often they would be convicted of their sins and they would give their lives to Christ. And it got to a point that the people were afraid to walk through the doors lest they would also come under conviction of their sin. <laughs> and it's one of his final sermons. He preached the message. And you know what he said? He said, it's... We need to keep the glory down. Do you know how we keep the glory down? We need to get on our knees. Because it's nothing to do with me, it's nothing to do with you. It's only the Lord that can move. That team up in the sky, it was nothing to do with them. That those three people gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a work of God. And we ought to praise the Lord for that, that the Lord would be willing to use people like us as channels, don't conceal your identity. Secondly, Jonah, he confesses his identity, finally the prophet finds his voice. Finally, the prophet actually says something of his God. And when these men start to question him, he confesses three things. Firstly, he speaks of the people who he belonged. Have a look at verse 9. He says to them, I am a Hebrew. He identifies with God's people. Here we find Jonah, and he's beginning to make the right decisions. He's beginning to speak out. He speaks of his people. How we ought to speak well of the family of God. How often churches are torn apart by gossip. How often churches are torn apart by backstabbing. When scripture says that if we have a problem or if there's something, we ought to go straight to the person and deal with it with them. Dear brothers and sisters this morning, always speak well of God's people. And always speak well of your family here at Airdrie Baptist Church, this little assembly where God has put you. Because when you speak well of the people that you worship with outside of this building, you just don't know who's listening. And the Lord could use that to draw them into this building and hear his word. Speak well of the family of God. He speaks of his the people he belonged to. Secondly, he speaks of his relationship with God. Now, I must confess I do like um, the version. There's some versions put this, I am a Hebrew, I worship the Lord. But but I quite like how the King James Version puts it. It says, I am a Hebrew, it says, I fear the Lord. Now I don't have an issue, I'm not one of these people that's a stickler with versions, but I think the word fear is very appropriate here. You see, in reality, he's saying, I fear Jehovah, the the word used for God here is Elohim, And this refers to God as transcendent. He's above all things. He is the God of power. He is the God who is on high. And the Jews, they had a special relationship with Elohim. And they recognized that he was the only true and living God. You see, the word here, fear, I believe is very important. You see, fearing God is what is important. Because people who say they believe in God often give little or no place to Him, but fearing God means that you give weight to Him in your decisions and your priorities in life. Pleasing Him becomes your first consideration and your greatest joy. It's not only when we fear the Lord and serve Him that we realize, it's only when we fear the Lord and serve Him that we realize what a great Savior He is. So Jonah he speaks of his people, he speaks of his God, or he speaks of he speaks of his relationship with God, and then he speaks of his God. He speaks of his sovereign God. What does he say? He says, I am a Hebrew, I fear the Lord who made the sea and the dry land. He ensures those sailors now know who they're dealing with. And just as Jonah had finally grasped each of us this morning, we need to grasp a brand new supreme view of our God. How often Christians these days replace a lofty view of God for such a mediocre view of God. We ought to put him back on his throne in our individual lives and as the church. Daniel never lost sight of that God. He said, God rules the army in heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand and say to him, what do you do? Daniel 4.35. The psalmist also reminds us in Psalm 48 verse 14, he says, this is our God forever and ever and he will guide us unto death. Do you get it? We ought to fear the Lord. And we ought to confess him as our Savior. But finally, in closing this morning, I want you to look at the reaction of the sailors. This breaks my heart. Well, first of all, we see they're terrified. And they realize that the God they're dealing with is the one and true God. And later in the passage, we're told that they turn to him and worship. That's what happens when the prophet opens his mouth. But you know how sad it is when people who don't belong to the Lord look at the Christian and they're able to say, what have you done? when they can see that we're not living as we ought to, when they can see inconsistencies in the way that we live. How sad it is when someone who is not saved says, what have you done? And when the sailors discover who Jonah is, who he belongs to, they turn to him and say, what have you done? Dear Christian, this morning, The way you behave, the places you're found, reflect the God that you serve. The words that are uttered from your mouth. People who don't know the Savior will watch you and see if it's worth even giving their lives to Christ. You may be, excuse the cliche, you may be the only Bible that people ever read. And what are we to take away from this morning? Well, I wonder, do you need to decide to fully recommit to living out the gospel in every way, proclaiming it, living it? You know, sometimes in America, you'll see people and they work for fast food companies and they'll stand out in the curb like Domino's and that they'll stand with one of those billboards and they'll be wearing them and it'll have some deal on it, two pizzas for the price of one or something like that. And people will see it in the road as they pass by and then they might go in and buy a pizza. You know what it looks like, I'm sure. Well, when I think of that image, I think we as God's children really ought to be walking billboards. And really, I think if I were making my own billboard, I think I would put that Romans chapter 1, verse 15 on it. And would simply say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So which boat are you in this morning? Are you in those who are concealing that message? Or are you going to be the people who confess message I want you to see Jonah as we've looked at him this morning he's actually been in both categories hasn't he and if you're someone who has been maybe not proclaiming the gospel as you ought to what a gracious God we have what a gracious God because you're still able to go and begin to confess that message every day I have on earth is given by the king And that hymn says, so I will give my life, my all, to love and follow him. I trust you'll do that. Probably come as no surprise to you this morning that our closing hymn is, I am not ashamed to own my Lord or or to defend his cause, maintain the honor of his word, the glory of his cross. We'll take time to sing maybe just the first and the last verse of that. Um, And then um, if you must leave, um, I'll greet you at the door.